eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for Season 3, Episode 5 of The Mandalorian. My name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Mersey Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, and previously on, Ike Palmer is out at Disney. And good riddance. <laughs> good riddance to bad rubbish. This is a shocking news. And we're going to talk about it and why it matters and what it means for Marvel Entertainment. In the airlock, we're talking about season three, episode five of The Mandalorian, which was just a ton of fun. It was it so was much really, fun. really fun. Really, really and fun. And we're going to be moaning about those Mandalorians as always. And in Nerd Out from Mike, he's going to talk about what scene may close out the Mandalorian series. Of course, if you want to jump around, check the timestamps that may or may not be accurate due to uh, issues beyond our control that we are working on. Uh, but check them anyway, because they're there for you to check. Coming up next, previously on. First up, Shake Up at Disney at Marvel Entertainment. Newsflash, March 29th, New York Times, Ike Perlmutter, out at Marvel. Uh, Here's the quote. Perlmutter was told by phone on Wednesday that Marvel Entertainment, a small division centered on consumer products and run separately from Marvel Studios, was redundant and would be folded into larger Disney business units. According to two Disney executives briefed on the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss a sensitive personal matter, Ike, for those of you not aware is one of the execs who, you know, has, I think it's, let's give him his due, has been a driving force behind certainly the early period of the MCU and the launch of the MCU, uh, and is also a famously uh, spinthrift individual who uh, who lobbied loudly and vociferously and aggressively for not... Not, I repeat, not doing diverse Marvel movies such as uh, Black Panther and Captain Marvel. He's really, really mad that they made a Black Panther movie. Very uh, mad. And uh, voted for Trump twice and said he would do so again in 2024. That's Ike Butter, and he's out. Your thoughts, Rosie Knight? Well, so yeah, I agree. You may, you have, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard us talk about Ike. He is a very notorious figure in Marvel. He was a he board of directors at Marvel Comics in like 1993. Went on to take over the company with Avi Arad from Toy Biz, and he was the one who eventually, after establishing Marvel Studios, would sell Marvel to Disney for four billion dollars. Now, my biggest thing here, let's go back to that New York Times quote because this is huge, guys. And I know I can't help it. I love this stuff. It makes me worried. Look, they say Marvel Entertainment, a small division centered on consumer products and run separately from Marvel Studios, was redundant in the eyes of Disney. So Marvel Entertainment is Marvel Comics and the consumer products that they sell are comic books. So I would say that this is not the last that we've heard of this news. I am very happy 
that Ike is leaving and hopefully with him, a lot of those outdated views, not only on race and gender and all that kind of stuff that you mentioned, but also on like the way workers are treated. He was known, like you said, for not spending money for cutting corners. And it's also just like, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Feige uh, Mm -hmm. and others, not to mention uh, returning CEO Bob Iger, have had to spend in the past so much energy like mm-hmm. keeping Ike at bay that yeah. hopefully things will get easier on their side now. Yeah, fingers crossed. I I am very interested that this news came out the way it did because like I saw a great tweet where somebody said, you know, this is like Trump arrest day for comic book fans. And that <laughs> really? is true. Like we have, this is actually one of the biggest... <laughs> One of the biggest shocks about this news is that Ike still had any kind of responsibility because this chairman role that they had given him had kind of, it seemed like he'd handed his responsibilities over to people like Feige, uh, Alan Fine. So the fact that he is still needed to be laid off was kind of a shock, but a good shock. But I do not believe that Disney would have wanted this to be the way the news came out because the question that me and many other people are now asking is, what right. happens to the comics division? Right. Uh, in the New York Times, they said Marvel Entertainment was based in New York City. Based on all of this reporting, the Wikipedia page for Marvel Entertainment now says that the company no longer exists and is defunct. So we know Marvel's still going to keep making comics. The question is, what does that look like? And how does this impact the people who work there day to day? And also, what does it mean for Marvel to no longer be in New York? DC Comics takes place in all these made up places, uh, you know, Metropolis, yeah. Gotham. But let's think about Marvel. It's like looking out your window. You're in the X-Men, and, you're in Westchester, you're in New York, you're with Spider-Man. That location is has always been Marvel's home. And it has famously kind of been based in New York for its entire yeah. life. Although, you you know, like some might say, uh, what's the big deal? Uh, DC moved their comics offices to LA some years ago, blah, blah, blah. It is... It's a big shift and there's a lot of mm-hmm. questions we don't know about what this means. Exactly. That's It's about keeping our ears to the ground. If anyone from Marvel wants to let us know what's going on, we would love to know. I'm very interested and I'm hoping that everyone at Marvel who does great work making those comics is had prior knowledge about this. I'm interested to see where it goes next. But yeah, I'm very, I'm living a Margaret Thatcher ding dong, the witch is dead moment. Like obviously we're all celebrating. I, the I, Ike will no longer be a part of this. I just want to know. What's going on with the comic? Well, obviously, a lot of information <laughs> is still to emerge, but it seems like <laughs> I am sorry to theorize, but here it is. Wait, this I, is it speculation. Like, it's what we you do. Know, it seems like a something like a more subst- something more substantive, perhaps, than a rebrand where mm-hmm. they fold Marvel Comics. And yeah. start a new company called Marvel Comics Plus or something. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, Disney, that all the people Disney's that work for Marvel, Marvel Com- Comics. Right, right. That all the people that work for that company have been fired, but now are instantly hired to work for this we, company that's a completely different entity slash the same be, thing. This is, if you are somebody who loves comic books, yeah. ever since AT&T and Warner and these kind of DC mergers that have been impacting DC Comics for so long... Those conversations about what does a corporation know about how to make comics? Will they get rid of the comic arm? Will they license it out? That has always been part of the conversation. 
With Disney buying Marvel, people wondered if this would happen. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we can assume from the fact that they're calling Marvel Entertainment redundant that it will change. Now, I will say DC moving to LA was like a stroke of genius and the DC offices are beautiful and they hire a bunch of wonderful different people who work there. And I'm sure that there's a version of Marvel moving to LA that would be great. It makes sense with the studios, with the movies. Does make sense. But what will that look like, especially as we are now in the first week of the promised 7,000 layoffs that Disney is doing? So, you know what? I will give them a slight bit of credit for starting with execs. Because when does yeah. that ever happen? When does that ever happen? Um, uh. But yeah, this is this is kind of huge. I expect the ramifications uh, to be large and continuing. But as Jason pointed out, we don't really know that much now. We don't know that but much. We do know that this was likely in response, at least in part, to uh, Ike Perlmutter trying to do a shadow takeover of the Disney board with his friend Nelson Peltz, which was in the news a lot. And it's actually right. very interesting to go and read about. So if you're wondering, for if you're looking for the why, it is not really because of his bad behavior in the past. It is it's probably because, because of this corporate... Yes. Yeah, this it's because she tried to take over the company and then to try to take over the company because of his, in part, certainly, ill mm -hmm. feelings about Bob Iger, who shelved him after he lost a power struggle with Kevin Feige uh, yeah. over again. And Feige again, he tried to fire. Uh, oh, right. Over again, the fact that Ike didn't want to make a Black Panther or a Captain Marvel movie. Uh, Bob Iger. Two billion dollar movies, Rob, can uh, we just say. Right. Bob Iger in his book or in some other interview was asked uh, how, you know, if Ike's feelings about that perhaps fueled that takeover bid. And he said, and Iger was quoted as saying, well, you'd have to ask Ike about that, but let's put it this way. He was not happy about it. And I think that unhappiness exists today. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, anyway, up next, returning to the Mandalorian in the airlock. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. There's a moment you realize... You're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. We're stepping out of the airlock and onto the mean streets, the beautiful once and will be again beautiful streets of Navarro for season three, episode five of The Mandalorian at Disney Plus, titled Chapter 21, The Pirate, written by John Favreau, directed by Peter Ramsey. Super, super fun episode. Real Star Wars vibes here. Absolutely. If you love those Star Wars vibes, if you want to feel like you're a little kid with a R2-D2 lunchbox and you're playing with your... 
cheap, plastic, but beloved Kenner toys. This is the episode that's going to send you back into that I nostalgia. Not, and so much happens. I not agree more. A lot happens. So we start on Navarro. High Magistrate, Grief Karga is playing SimCity on his desk <laughs> with, his, with his people around him. He's in the middle of this development meeting and is like, where are we going to put the railroad? We got to put the rail spur over here. We're talking about car. There's going to be massive cargo moving through the city. Uh, and the meeting is broken up by the arrival of Pirate King Shard's flagship. Uh, Shard hails Karga. And Shard is like, holy shit, Grief Karga. That sounds like you, Grief Karga. Uh, uh, but the guild master of the Navarro hunters, the famed Navarro bounty hunters, but all I see before me is a pampered nobleman. Uh, <laughs> and Shard, of course, is still hot that Karga and Dinjarin shot his pirates. <laughs> in the street, dead. In the street, like in the six streets of them. Now, uh, you know, they were up to no good, as pirates often are, and Karga notes quite accurately that they drew first and shard is like well now i'm gonna shoot first karga then tries to bluff he's like hey you wanna fuck with us you're gonna fuck with the new republic because we're about we're we're part of the new republic now what about that and shard is like well i just looked at uh galactic wikipedia and it says <laughs> you guys no. are independent so who's lying is it wikipedia or is it or is it you <laughs> and i know that moff gideon is not here anymore because he is either dead or was on trial and nobody fucking knows where he is. So what's going to happen? And Cargo's like, well, okay, what about the X-Wing patrols that come through mm -hmm. here every once in a blue moon? Uh, and Shard is like, well, I'll take my fucking chances. Peace. And then he fucking hangs up and starts opening fire on the city. Which, which streets packed with civilians. Yeah. They're just getting just like murdered brutal. left and right. Also as well, like I feel like I, I love Carl Weathers. I love Grief Carga. But I also feel like is the New Republic really going to stop a pirate? Like, not like, could they stop them? I'm sure they could. But like, is that threat really so big? I, I feel like he may have played the wrong card there. Well, as we will see, the New Republic is just in the, they're a new administration and they're having a lot of trouble getting the, they are getting, in a mess. getting their business off the ground. Grief Karga gestures to his astromech droid and uh, he then, although we don't see it, records uh, help us, you're our only hope <laughs> message. And then when his protocol droid runs up and is like, hey, we got to get out of here. We got the we got the escape pod ready. Karga bravely, courageously is like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving my people. I need to lead my people back to the most significant rise in property values in Navarro <laughs> history. We're coming back. We will rebuild. We are, we are making real estate money. We That's cannot right. leave. We will rebuild. And he tells his people, hey, head for the hills. Go for the dunes uh, and we'll regroup. Just get out of the city. Then we go to an unknown jungle planet where uh, uh, that is a base for uh, the New Republic's Adelphi Rangers. Uh, and we see our friend Captain Tiva. Woo! He's taking some R&R &R at the base cantina when he's uh, told that there's a message. Uh, he puts it in the in the player and realizes it's Grief Karga asking for help with a ongoing pirate siege. And Karga says, uh, quote, I'm afraid that our planet will fall and Shard will turn this into a pirate base. And we hear a voice. Someone has overheard this and says, oh, I really thought Navarro was going to make it. And it's our friend Zeb <laughs> of the Ghost Crew looking, looking legitimately fucking incredible. Unbelievable. In live action. Unbelievable. ILM 
Can we get ILM on the and the and the volume on on? I didn't have, I didn't have any particular notes on the MCU uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, but uh, but like this looked great. It, yeah, I'm he looked you, amazing. The Mandalorians just consistently knocks it out of the park with their use, the way they mix practical and CG. Oh, it's so good. And Zeb looked so good here. Like this is definitely a moment where. If you know, you know. And if you know, you scream. Like, this I is was, like, when you I see him, you're like, it. oh, my God. And we'll get into this more, but I think this hints at a, a, probably a, a much bigger inclusion oh, that we'll get this I season. I completely agree. But this was so cool. Looked brilliant. Super cool. Totally within character. I just feel like yeah, it was just all good. 10 so out of 10. A, good stuff. I, I could not agree more. I, like, started shouting. I was like, oh, my God. Teva tells Zeb that He's going to go to command and he's going to ask for permission to take on the pirates. But as we've seen, as we've already talked about, the transition from two decades of empire is not easy. It's a mess. You know, just being char- being legitimately charitable to the Republic, it's, this is hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Zeb says, hey, they're swamped. They haven't returned a message in weeks. Uh, Teva then decides, okay. I'm going to give it the personal touch. I'm going to fly to Coruscant, and I'm going to get Navarro the help it needs. Teva saunters into command to see Colonel Tuttle on Coruscant, and it's a good example of how chaotic things are right now for the new uh, mm-hmm. administration that Tuttle, ostensibly Teva's commanding officer, he cannot even get his droid to followers. He's like, hey, don't, no. droid, don't put that tray of records there on my desk because I need, <laughs> and the droid's just like, fuck you. And it just drops the tray right there. I'm like, holy shit. Can I just also just talk about it? I was just so happy to see Tim Meadows. This is just like what such a wonderful, good, what a surprise. fun casting. What a good surprise. He's in a really great episode of Poker Face, uh, which I would love to see him. And this was so good because he has the perfect, exasperated, bureaucrat voice. Like, and you just realize in this one scene and one performance, like, the New Republic is getting nothing done. They are trying yeah. their best, but they're they are trying struggling. really hard. And they have the best of intentions, but it's really and they're hard. Doing, they're doing better than some other radical organizations we've seen before. Yes, we have. But I mean, they're not trying to replicate the Imperials. They're trying to do their best. But it is, they are stuck in a, a bureaucratic rut. I mean, like, this, there are larger questions here to be asked, like whether whether a gal- galaxy-spanning government is even a good idea. Like, yes, I think that that's a great sense? question to ask. Uh, but they're trying, and they have good intentions, and they're not very effective right now, but they're trying. Uh, Elia Kane, otherwise known as G68, the former Mm-mm. Imperial currently working on some unknown neo-imperial scheme from inside the New Republic leadership. And always acting, she's always acting with shady as fuck. She, like, like, and- <laughs> I gotta say, gee, don't make evil scheme faces all the time because somebody's gonna notice at some point. Katie O'Brien is so good as, yeah. like, the villain. Like, every time you see her, you're just like, everyone, just look around. She's scheming. She's doing a scheme face. She's looking evil. Like, I believe it. Like, she's doing it, and nobody seems to notice. I love it. It's great. So Teva uh, barges in, and Tuttle's like, who the fuck are you? Uh, you know, his his Rodian, uh, uh, you know, assistant is like, I'm sorry, this guy just barged in. Uh, and Teva gets right to the point. He's like, there's a pirate siege on Navarro in the Outer Rim, and a high magistrate I know sent an SOS, and we should do something. Tuttle plays the message. And at that point, uh, G68 comes in with this helpful offer. Hey, I'm going to the commissary if you want 
like some of those imperial biscuits. I know you love them. <laughs> some people are really They're delicious, right? One of the one of the good things about <laughs> yeah. the empire, you know, not very yeah, many but biscuits. The good things, you cool. know, like they were one of them. They're yeah, the trains. There. They made the trains run on time. Yeah, um, and the biscuits are delicious. Yeah, uh, and then Tuttle is like, oh yeah, that's right, G sixty eight. Uh, in your, that's right, in your capacity as an imperial soldier under Moff Gideon, noted war criminal, you spent some time in the outer room, right? Uh, do, How did that go about, for you? Yeah, what did you know about Navarro? And she's like, yeah, I did spend some time there. Uh, and then uh, at that point, Tevin notices G68's very unique kind of red striped badge, which identifies her as a former imperial and part of the amnesty program. Uh, and she is like, well, you know, uh, unfortunately, Navarro never signed the uh, New Republic Charter, so they're not part of this whole thing. And Tuttle notes that, hey, you see how fucked up things are right now. We have member worlds that can't get the help they need. How's it going to look if I go and help some independent planet? Uh, and then Teva is like, hey, we got to connect the dots here. There's something bigger. Why is Navarro... Always coming up. We mm -hmm. had reports of stormtroopers in the streets of Navarro. Moff Gideon was known to be skulking around the planet doing who knows what. Uh, meanwhile, ask this lady right next to you because she was serving with him. TIE fighters were flying <laughs> openly over Navarro. What's with all the action on Navarro? And Tunnel says, okay, uh, you could uh, get to hyperspace with a leap like that. <laughs> like, uh, come on. Uh, and then Teva's like... How do we know that he basically is like Moff Gideon could be behind this, right? Like we we don't know where he is. I heard he never made it to trial. Like what's going on with that? And then, you know, Tuttle again says, I listen, I'm just a pencil pusher. I'm just a, like a quartermaster, basically. All I can do is get you things. So what do you need? What can I do for you? And I got to say, before we go further, I think that the amnesty program, I think it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a well-meaning program. And I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Maybe there are a lot of positive success stories and good things to come out of it. Like, like I, w I would assume that the other people that Dr. Pershing and G68 were sitting with back at Amnesty House, like, are not working on neo-imperial mm -hmm. conspiracy conspiracies, right? That said, I don't think that we should allow former imperials to have this kind of access yeah. to New Republic, like, decision-making levers. Why Why are we just, like, letting former Imperials, like, work in high command? I also feel like specifically in this situation, if somebody used to work for Moff Gideon and this yeah, planet is connected to Moff Gideon, that's like, this is a conflict of interest, my guy. I agree. Like, sorry, you can't be involved in this one. I think what this scene does really well, as well as being funny, because Tim Meadows is, like, really fucking funny, is... It highlights how it's really easy for G68 to take advantage of this system yeah. because nobody knows what's going on. Tal didn't know anything about the Outer Rim, so he just asks a war criminal who worked for like a famous war criminal with a magical sword. He's like, what do you know about it? Yeah. And this is exactly how she's managed to rise up the ranks. I, and it's very interesting to well see said. them kind of explore that. G68 suggests that, hey, you know, uh, maybe Navarro would sign the, the charter uh, if we let him get punched in the mouth a little bit by pirates. Red flag. Yeah, red, red flag. flag. Dang, 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 dang. Yeah, Very fascist. Let her, 
maybe we let a little bit of a mass murder happen, they'd understand that they'd want to be under the protective umbrella of the new republic. Wouldn't that teach them a lesson? And uh, Teva says, sounds like imperial thinking. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. But then Tuttle is hey, like, oh, 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 you're out of line. How dare you you're say that? Of, yeah, that true you're, thing. You're out of line there. How dare you besmirch the good name of this former war criminal who worked for an even bigger war criminal? Who's <laughs> saying some very war criminal sounding yeah. things. Like, yeah. And so then G is like, takes the high road. Wonderfully. I love this moment. It's so funny because G says, hey, no, 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 no. I get this all the time. Listen, as a former imperial soldier who worked under Moff Gideon's <laughs> evil infant experimentation regime working to acquire scientific knowledge of horrific and now illegal cloning technology, I get those kind of comments all the time. But I want you to know I'm a changed person. Mm-hmm. I, I am a different person now. And Teva's like, I mean, that's easy to say when you've been fucking captured, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and like, yeah. And, and she uh, corrects him. No, no, no. I was liberated. And then Tuttle's like, okay, like you see all the files and shit on my desk. I will look into it. Get the fuck out of here. And Teva and his cool bomber jacket go to leave, but they leave with a warning. They say something big is happening. The resurrection of Palpatine. Something big. <laughs> <laughs> no! The resurrection of Emperor Palpatine. Dead speak. <laughs> Something big is happening out there, and you better act before it's too late to stop it. Spoiler, they won't stop it. They're not they gonna... will not stop it. We've <laughs> seen it. It's, it occurs badly yeah. for everyone. We go to the outskirts of Navarro. Grief and the citizens are now refugees huddling in the dunes. And he promises them, listen, help is on the way. They're like, yeah, how, where, whom, whom, and it looks really bad. Elsewhere on the mysterious planet that is home to the Mandalorian covert, Teva, following a homing signal, lands at the edge of Crocodile Lake just outside the forge. Every Mandalorian gun is on him. Paz Vizsla comes strolling out with that big fucking chain gun of his. He's like, get out of here. We don't like New Republic cops, and we get it. Honestly, we get it. <laughs> Din then comes out and is like, wait, how did you find us? And, uh, and Teva says, fortunately, someone I served with in the rebellion is among your ranks. And the R5 D4 unit comes out and it was like, Boop. oh, it was me. It was me. Hold, and, and let's stop here. Yes. We've already talked about the kind of tw- uh, twist of fate aspect of R5s you know, kind of coincidental relationship with R2 and how that really did shape the future of the galaxy. But I was not aware that R5, this R5 actually was in the the Rebel Alliance. Yes. This is actually a really nice nod to something that I believe was established in the books, which was basically that R2 communicated to R5 that the galaxy was doomed and R2 was the only hope. And then R5 was like, cool, and just like loosened the hinge on his plate and like blew it up so that he could like sacrifice himself so that they would buy R2 and R2 would be able to go and help. This is incredibly sweet. I love when they build in these moments for droids. But can I just say as well, yeah, and I love R2. Doesn't that just sound like something that R2 would make oh, up very so he would get self, picked? He's very he self-aggrandizing. Little, he's such a little drama mama, you know? He is so, an absolute egomaniac drama yeah. mama. And that was from the the red one from a certain point of view, which is just the funnest little stories where they imagine like different 
and expand on different scenarios. It was by Ray Carson. And that's where they established that R5 kind of did make this sacrifice. And I guess his mind was later wiped by Jawas, and that's why he kind of didn't know that he was a rebel and he ah. ends up with Peli. So I love that they referenced this. Those books are really fun. And yeah, R2 convinced Destroyed to blow his own head up. And he did it for so the I rebellion. Have, I, I, and then I have other... I guess Teva just kept R5's, like, cell phone number and knew... He just texted somehow him. That, Can we yeah, talk about that? How knew, did he do it? I guess they have been, like, on a... They're on a group chat, and, like, R5 mm. has just been telling Teva, like, that's the only way Teva could have okay, possibly known, right? It's like, if what? R5 is like, hey, guess what? I'm hanging out with that Mandalorian uh, now. What if... Like, what I, if I've been roped into a mission to Mandalore. If you've had the astromech in your ship... Does it like you always remember it and you can always just be like, oh, I wonder what R5's up to and like your ship can hunt him down because it was like a homing beacon. So, yeah, we need to know how did they get in touch? Is there a rebellion group chat? If so, seems like it should be well better protected. I agree. And as as we've (laughs) seen from the uh, Delphi Ranger base, a lot of downtime. So, you know, Teva would have a lot of opportunity to just text with friends. I would also Uh, say I'm very happy to see more Teva. I love this character. I want to see... That I, 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 lo- I live to see like a Teva spinoff, that kind of New Republic, like interesting X-Wing kind of slice of life stuff. So it's really fun here to see Iconic him. bomber jacket. Like Iconic. he looks great. What a look. His whole look is just what perfect. What a look. Uh, Din, I think speaking for the covert here is annoyed because the entire covert is going to have to move now. And that is just such a fucking hassle. Well, can I just say something? Actually, yeah. disagree. You should say thank you to Teva because you lot should have fucking moved a long time ago. I, I, I agree. <laughs> Listen, we've been we've been on that corner we've for a long time, it. but now if, it's like you can't put it off anymore. If I knew that all we had to do was go to the Crocodile Lake and visit them so they would move, I would have actually done it. Like right. I would have done it because they need to move. This is this is bad times. Uh, so. Then Paz Visla is like, well, well, hold on. We don't have to move if we commit murder. What if we just kill <laughs> what if we just kill this cop? What about that? And Din is like, uh, uh no, you fucking psycho. I What own, is wrong like, with you? Yeah, what machine? is wrong with you? Like, you chill the fuck out. You fucking maniac. And also I owe this guy one, so we're not gonna do that. Go like bond with your son or something. Uh and then and then Taking it from there, Din is like, okay, just now get out of here because you see what I'm dealing with. Vizzle wants to flat out murder you. And then Tiv is like, I can't because here is Grief's, uh, Grief Cargo's uh, SOS message. So Din is like, well, let's just fucking, you're the New Republic, just fucking go over there, do a bombing run and take him out. And he's like, well, Coruscant doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So then Din, I think, asks a really good question. He's like, well, why do you care? Like, why, you don't, no grief cargo from Adam. Like, well, why are you doing this? And he says, well, I basically I care because I think the Empire is up to something. He says the New Republic has to know the Empire is growing again. Uh, and and basically someone needs to do something about it. And this is, I think, the only way I can get their attention. Uh, and he thinks that the pirate, you know, siege is part of this. And then Teva leaves and is like, hey, listen, I know you guys are going to leave anyway, but I promise I won't tell anybody about you, that you're here at fucking Crocodile Lake. You know, east of the the big bird plains. I'm like, don't keep it a secret because these people are going to die if they stay here. Tell everyone if it means they're going to bloody move. So he flies off and then Bo is like, okay, so what are you thinking about doing? Of course, Din has to go to help, but he can't do it alone. So Din then makes his pitch to the Mandalorians about why they should go 
to Navarro and fight for Grief Karga. And he's like, listen, I know you fought against him when you rescued me in Grogu, but Grief is a different guy now. He's not, he's, he, unlike G68, has legitimately had a change of heart. And so uh, let's pay back that kindness, go to Navarro's aid before it's too late. And then he's like, and by the way, if if a uh, a pitch to your generosity doesn't do it, how about capitalism? What about what about some <laughs> land, baby? What about some land? He says, Grief Car- Cargo offered me a tract of land on his independent world. Let's not forget that. Independent world. Perhaps it's time for us to live in the light once again on a planet where we are welcome so our culture may flourish and our children will feel what it is to play in the sunlight. And then, thinking about the baby again. Thinking like, about I, that beautiful like, baby. I think that baby would just love to just be chilling. Absolutely. Paz Vizla is then like, I can't let someone have the last word. I need to speak up. And he's like, okay, this is going to be a hard fight, fellas, fellow Mandalorians. It's going to be a really, really hard fight. Perhaps some of us will die, as many of us did die when we fought against Karga on that very same planet when we fought to save this guy over here's life and this baby over here's life. But Dead Man Lawrence, that sounds fucking great. Let's do it. I love war. <laughs> I love war, guys. I they love it. it. This is a great turnaround yeah, because like, he, starts off, he starts off and he's like, why should we help this man? Yeah. But he's actually arguing like, we should do it because we get to kill people. Yeah, right. He's, he's straight up like, hey, a lot of us are going to die. I love it. <laughs> Let's. He's like, I've go. got a fucking massive gun, so yeah, it's probably not going to be me. For this. And then he's like, I've had my disagreements with this man. Ming Dinjarn, but he risked his life to save my son, who well, I, don't I don't really, really care, care about. about. <laughs> I don't care about that kid, but he did do it. I didn't fill up my uh, and Bo, by enough. the way, and, and uh, Bo-Katan Kreese, uh also did not give up on my child's life, even when the rest of us did. This made me <laughs> laugh so hard. He said, Bo-Katan Kreese did not give up on my child's life, even when the rest of us did. What a fucking burn. He also burned uh, himself. Like, he, just, like, he like, burned like, himself. Yeah, I know. What about you, dad? Yeah. <laughs> you, Everyone you else was like, kidding? this happens all the time. I lost three kids to that bird <laughs> last week. Like, But Bo uh, was like, this is fucked up. Like, uh, mm. Yeah, and so anyway, this is the way. Let's get that real estate. They head off to Navarro. And the plan, uh, which Bo lays out as they're in hyperspace, is a two-prong attack. Din and Bo will stay in the skies. Uh, the rest of the Mandalorians with Pri at their head, uh, also the armorer, will be the ground assault team. And then uh, Bo gets her speech, she says. Navarro's an independent planet, no longer under Imperial Remnant or New Republic protection. But it's that very independence that makes it appealing for you to settle. You lived there once... Hiding in the sewers, which I don't think anybody needs to be reminded of that. I don't think that's a good, like, I don't, I don't think that's... Is that the pitch that we want? We were just like, hey, I remember feel like, when you... Remember when you had sewers? to, like, hide in the sewers and, yeah. like, you weren't accepted. Now go and save these people. Smelling I don't necessarily know if it's, like, the good... <laughs> I don't know if it's the good pitch, but I get where she's going. She's like, I get she's it. like once you were, like, peasant... This is a really funny pitch, actually, because she's basically saying, like, these people didn't accept you and made you hide underground like Morlocks. With the but shit. now you can yeah, be heroes. Yeah. Right, right. And and mm-hmm. homeowners, let's not forget that. Independent oh, planet, yes. again, That's like, a hit, huge all the, hit all the important notes. X-Ray Vision will be back. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. 
It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop Chef Quality Pots and Pans at MadeInCookware.com. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. And we're back. So they arrive, um, and the pirates are fucking running wild. They're having a grand old time. They're roaming the streets. It's like they're... Pirates of the Caribbean out here. It's, like, they, it's, it's, it's a Long Beach pirate festival that actually is a real thing that happens it's every pirate, year. <laughs> pirate Christmas, Pirate Valentine's Day, rolled into one pirate, uh, St. Patrick's Day. They're drinking. <laughs> they're robbing. They're, like, they're beating up waiters. They're loving it. Yeah. The Mandalorians arrive. And it's a, truly an amazing battle. Like yeah, again, is the animation great. animation on the ships is second to none uh, here. Like ILM's absolutely doing it. The fights are so good. There's so much good practical costuming, practical masks, oh, practical man. creature work. It is it absolutely looks... delightful, and we get a great armor a moment that made me like I was like fist pumping I when was I like, saw it. I... The the shot which they used in the trailer where you see the Mandalorians airdrop down onto the streets mm-hmm. is so fucking cool. It is so um, cool. Some highlights from the battle. The ground assault is led by uh, Paz, who I think needs to learn about cover. They're all just standing out in the middle of the street. <laughs> um, they get pinned down in the town square. Uh, to relieve that, we see the armorer go to work with her hammer and tongs as weapons. Really, really so, cool. So cool. Takes out a, a pirate firing position that was stationed in Grief Karga's uh, once luxurious office, hopefully to be luxurious again. We get to see Baby Yoda up in the sky riding in Din's lap, taking Dude, it all in his beautiful whole baby time eyes. During this like crazy <laughs> battle, the baby's just chilling in his dad's lap. It's unbelievable. Then we need to strap him in, right? As I he- know. Not even like a single, I, I don't know. That's just the dad. Or maybe he's staying there with the force. But it was I very Get a cute. little baby seat, a little baby Bjorn or something for that yeah, baby. Yeah, baby because, Bjorn feels like it's coming. Uh, the Nikto pirate Vane, remember him? A complete non-factor in yeah, his just, fight. Just except useless. For, yeah, absolutely useless. Didn't do a damn thing except for talking shit in his little snub fighter. Which is funny because he's the one who got let to, he was the one who survived. So I'm like, if you're going to cause the problems and come for the vengeance, then... Do something, but he doesn't. He just breezes off. He's like, ah, we're not immediately win. flees. Immediately is like, no, I'm not. Hey, looks like things are going bad. I'm out of here. But like, has I guess the the class <laughs> to give <laughs> to give notice to Pirate King Shard. Like he doesn't he's just like, take oh. off. He's like, hey, Pirate King Shard, I just want you to know, I'm giving my two week notice two weeks ago. I'm leaving right now. <laughs> he's just like, like bye, Please. yeah, bye. Uh, and finally, uh, Din and Bo managed to blow up. Uh, Pirate King Shard's ship before he can blast the city. He's what a fucking murdering maniac this fucking spinach head is. He just is like, I guess I'll just like kill everybody. But they blow up his ship before that can happen. And uh, the citizens get to get some payback because the pirates mm-hmm. were fleeing the destruction of of their forces, flee right into the arms yeah, very of Western the... Western moment there. Yeah, the vengeful like the, citizens. They get, to, they get to take over the gang that's come into their town. Grief Karga 
Did we expect anything else? He's good to his word. He says, all the land from the western lava flats to Bullet Canyon are now the home of the good people of Mandalore. Yay! Yeah, baby. I love that. This is the it's way. So Let's get that real estate. I like, mean, what, there's so much they, real estate out here. Are they actually going to build a house or will they just find the most dangerous natural spot and just chill outside? It's the, <laughs> it's the Mandalorian, so you never know. <laughs> I hope no, they like, live. Where's I, a giant lizard live? Can we live next to him? Well, I, I would expect they're going to live above ground now, right? Beca- because yeah. of what happens next. Pause, then comes over to Bo is like, hey, the armor uh, wants to have a word. So uh, he leads her back into that sewer where they used to live. And the armor is in her old forge, uh, just kind of looking around. And she makes some small talk. And then she's like, hey, take off your helmet. What? Bo is like. Uh, the creed and is this like a, uh, is this a trick? Yeah, which I think she's fair to ask, honestly. Yeah, was a, there's the creed and uh, Din had to fucking dive into the waters of the living waters under the fucking mines of Mandalore. Like uh, I could just take off my helmet now. And uh, the the armor says, "Listen, the diaspora, the Mandalorian diaspora, is all over the place, and there's we subscribe to the creed." But many don't. But we have to, if we're going to unite as a people, if we're going to take our planet back, we have to walk the way together. And that means all Mandalorians. I was taught the Mythosaur existed only in legend, and yet you saw it. It's a sign that the next stage is upon us. You have walked both worlds. You are the one who can unite us. So the armor is basically saying, you're going to be our ambassador to mm-hmm. the, the diaspora out in the galaxy. And we need to go and retake Mandalore. And, and I think this is actually a smart and good idea from the armor. Yes. Listen, all respect to the Mandalorian recruiters who have been growing the ranks of the Mandalorians. They've been hustling. Off, They've been hustling. Off camera. But they need a lot more folks if they're mm-hmm. going to take back the planet. And that means reaching out to, you know, the folks we saw in the Clone Wars who didn't mm-hmm. wear their helmets all the time. You know, it's like, that's the other thing that's kind of like unspoken is like this covert is essentially descendants of Death Watch yeah. who had a much more hardcore Mandalorian warlike uh, uh, take on the Mandalorian uh, culture and lifestyle. And they were very antithetically against everything that uh, was going on on Mandalore mm-hmm. proper. Uh, and uh, particularly the leadership of the uh, Duchess Satine. Uh, and so this is a really cool gesture, I think. Mm-hmm. And and one that one that Bo is really uniquely suited for. Yeah, it's a huge moment, and it makes a lot of sense. I agree because it, it look does it could it feel like slightly uh, jarring or kind it of is a lot of is it is it we're is flip it very, flopping now aren't it, we there's some flip flopping here but I will say <laughs> the thing I think they did that was really smart here that makes it believable is the mythosaur. Mm-hmm. the the armor basically sat with it for a week or a few days or whatever. And was like, if she saw the mythosaur, that's like, I need to fucking sort my shit out. Like, I need to, this is someone who clearly has some kind of role to play. Now, what does that role look like? And then she thinks, well, we really struggle with recruiting new people. We're recruiting a lot of children, baby dragons. Like, oh, wait, there's actually like thousands, tens of thousands of Mandalorians all over the galaxy, some of whom used to follow Bo. Yeah. And maybe by becoming more inclusive and accessible, we can create like a unified Mandalore. And I think it's really good. Very smart. I think it's really great. Very, very smart. Yeah. And And Bo is the perfect person. I completely agree. I think that 
what the armorer, without laying it out, is aiming for is like, okay, if you are a f- orthodox follower of the creed, mm-hmm. then just don't take your helmet off. You never take it off. Yeah, but and if stay you're, with the covert. You yeah, know, but if you're a are, more don't... secular Mandalorian, mm-hmm. we welcome you as well. Yeah. Uh, and this is great. Um, yeah. So the armor and bow without her helmet, hair, I don't know how she keeps her hair looking so good. Oh my God, don't even get me. That's what I want to know. It's how is the hair always looking so good? Every single perfect. day, same length, not one single split no hair. No frizzes. Perfectly straightened. What's going on? Stunning. No roots. Unbelievable. I mean, that is, that's the biggest mystery of the Mandalorian. I completely is how does agree. her hair stay that good? Never any static after being What's under that metal. What I need up? to know the secret. Uh, so the armor and bow, no helmet, go to the other Mandalorians, and the other Mandalorians are like, "What? Excuse what me, is what? Occurring? What is happening?" And the armor is like, "Okay, this is what's going on. Bo is our ambassador. She is going to bring the rest of the exiles to us, mm-hmm. and together we're going to retake Mandalore." And pause. And I get it. Pause. Me too. Me is too. a me little too. annoyed. He's like. What the fuck is this? And she took her helmet out off like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, no, listen, Bo-Katan has walked both worlds. She can bring all the tribes together. It's time to retake Mandalore. And I think, listen, we've been saying, why don't you just go to Mandalore? And mm-hmm. I think that this is the right way to, this is smart. I this is a good way to do it. Because you this... can't send any messages on the surface of Mandalore. So use Navarro as a base to bring the diaspora together. Mm-hmm. And then let's all go to Mandalore. In this way, I think the armorer finally did something right because we were like why don't they just go to Mandalore why don't they just go to Mandalore but I think she's right get like a hundred two hundred five hundred a thousand Mandalorians together on some kind of same page and then try and go back to the once poisoned like wildly overgrown and dangerous (laughs) planet that you once lived on also I will say I will think that I think we can take a we were right because we did say Bo was going to be the one who would potentially ride the Mythosaur, yes. who would reunite the Mandalorians. This is great. So happy. I also want to congratulate John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who essentially wrote themselves out of a corner here by making know, it okay right? for Mandalorians to wear a helmet or not wear a helmet. Well, Love it was previously that. not okay. Now it's okay. Now it's, and then, now yeah. it's okay. And yeah. it kind of explains away some of the bigger characters, one of whom we're likely going to see soon as well, I feel like, yeah. after this episode. Um, so yeah, they're retaking Mandalore. Good for them. Uh, later, uh, in deep space, uh, I would assume somewhere by the you know outside of Coruscant mm-hmm. in the inner rim. Somewhere. Yeah, some kind of outer rim situation. Yeah, uh, Captain Teva, just by luck. And by the way, space is a big place, so yeah, very big. Fill out your fucking lottery ticket Maybe. now. Maybe it was the force. Maybe the force was guiding don't, him. You I never don't know. discount it. That's a, you never I know. love it. I you honestly love it. Captain Teva comes across a transport ship, heavily damaged. Does mm-hmm. it absolutely wreck the pilot? You could see some of the crew, their corpses in there floating around. Uh, and he learns that this is the craft that was moving Moff Gideon. He was right. Uh, ostensibly to trial, right? He and knew it. He never made he it. He knew it. And he scans the wreckage, and there's a little chunk of Beskar stuck in the side. And it leads, we believe, our friend Teva to to, to wonder if Mandalorians did this. Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun, dun! 
it's obviously a frame up. I just need it's to say that. Like no up. suspense. Like it's a fucking frame Absolutely up. Absolutely a frame I, up. I also just want to shout out like this moment. There's this clearly a frame up. It's such obviously a frame up. But like this moment of this like empty floating uh, ship. There's this really brilliant uh, anime called Memories, and there's a short in it called Magnetic Rose, and it's like a trapped room horror where a guy finds an empty floating spaceship and they kind of go and explore it and it's really beautiful and this was giving me big vibes of that you should go and watch it it's really good but yeah the it's a frame up i'm sorry bro frame teva up. should also teva should know this like it's so obvious he's like it's beskar and the guys on the radio is like oh, mandalorians did this and i'm like bro you know mandalorians well, didn't do this they would why would they leave the beskar this is a frame why they up love, they love the beskar they love beskar they that could have been they... turned into a tiny child's helmet like just leave it be it's not it's, yeah. it's a frame up their entire culture is based on finding any scrap of Beskar and returning it to the community and and what like a chunk of the armor broken come on why how why no no this is clearly okay. the okay. neo-imperial is this a neo-imperialist plot probably masterminded by moff gideon and whoever he's working I would agree. for but to kill what? the Mandalorians. Okay, I got a crazy, I got a crazy other option that I just realized. Okay. I do believe it's a frame up. But this is an empty Imperial ship. What if a Mandalorian had gone there to like scavenge it or look for the Darksaber or something? And it was like Sabine doing some oh, archaeologist I mean, kind I of love. shit. That would be really cool, right? Like it I do believe it's a frame up, but I I feel like after we met Zeb, I feel like Sabine I had not expected that this could be a space where we could see her, but I'm feeling like now. Well, that's more than likely. I I I kind of agree. Listen, if Bo is going to go out there Exactly. and bring the Mandalorians together, why would it be random Mandalorian? Surely you're going to at least get one, the most yes. famous other Mandalorian that we haven't seen. I, It makes so much sense to me that at least for the finale, the assault on mm -hmm. Mandalore, when they yeah. fight whoever is behind all of these machinations around Navarro, it's, we're going to see her. We have to, or at least some of her art. That's the other thing. We yeah. haven't seen any of the iconic art. Oh, I also just realized, thanks to these incredible notes by Super Producer Saul, next week's episode is Bryce Dallas Howard. I am so stoked because do you remember how, like, fucking game-changing her Boba Fett episode Absolutely was? Absolutely wonderful. Like, I am ready to see what she does with this, like, frame-up kind of mixture of this mystery where the New Republic's now going to potentially be seeing... The Mandalorians as a threat, but we also have the Mandalorians doing like outreach for the first time and living publicly. I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm very, very, very excited. What a fun episode. So I much fun. Uh, up next, Nerd Out. <laughs> yeah. In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or Tell us about a theory that you're excited to share. Mike shares some thoughts about what the end of the Mandalorian series could look like. Hey, Jason, Rosie, long time. First time in your recap of Mandalorian season three, episode one, you talked about the potential for an epilogue time jump at the conclusion of the series to when Grogu could be the leader of Mandalore. I can't oh, stop thinking about that possibility, and I want to build on that idea. 30-ish years after, so this is uh, this is Mike's idea, 30-ish years after his adventure with Din, Grogu is sitting in a throne room on Mandalore. A mysterious figure enters. Who could it be? A yellow lightsaber-wielding Rey Skywalker. Yeah. She's looking for other Force-sensitive leaders of the galaxy to create some sort of new Jedi order. 
wow. I do love this. I love this. I absolutely love it. We've seen how Disney has loved bringing back Star Wars actors into the movies and series. I'm at best, of course. And it seems like it could be a fun way to bring Daisy Ridley back to reprise her iconic role a handful of years from now after more seasons of The Mandalorian. Love the show. Thanks, Mike. Mike, that's really cool. I love it. It's so much fun. I also think, like, look, we can always fudge a timeline in Star Wars. We have to fudge, also, it, fudge it by maybe a few we, centuries with yeah, Grogu, but that's okay. Fudge it. You know what? Yeah. He, you know what? Maybe he, because he's got this connection to Mandalore and the Force, by the time he's like 100, he's a little yeah. bit more. You know, let's be real. Yoda was like 800 and he was looking old. He was so nine, where's the middle there? He, he, you know, he, he was he, he nine, and, nine and change. Nine and change. Like, he, he's yeah. living. Uh, and he was old. So what I love about this is it makes a lot of sense as a fun theory to kind of expand upon because we know that they are connecting this to the trilogy series now. Yes, absolutely. Like to the, it only to the, makes sense. To the later trilogy. That's exactly So the idea of somehow connecting Ray after delving into this whole Palpatine situation, there's something really fun there. And I've always wanted to see a kind of young Jedi adventures, like Jedi school, Jedi training. And it could be cool to see... Grogu represent a Mandalorian insight into that. I mean, listen, Grogu's going to be with us forever. There's no <laughs> world in which... He will outlive us. He will outlive us. He will be here. They're making Star Wars movies and shows in 60 years. Grogu will be part of it. <laughs> and so... Tea and Grogu. You know, it's only a matter of time until Grogu appears in a Star Wars movie. Like, that mm-hmm. will happen, right? It just feels like it'll happen. Yeah, you just make a Star Wars movie called The Child. I mean, it's not, it's like it, they're making money quickly when that happens. Thanks, Mike. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us at x-ray at crooked.com. Instructions in the show notes. That's it for us. Rosie, plugs, 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 plugs. Plugs, uh, you can find me here. Listen to X-Ray Vision. It's cool. You're already listening to it, but keep doing it. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm Rosie Box at Layerbox and Instagram. And yeah, just read comics. Read comics, buy comics. comics. Go to your local comic book shop. Ask them to start a pull list and, and buy some of those good comic books because they're the reason that we're all here talking about this stuff. Watch Primo on May 19th on Amazon Freebie, wherever you stream. You better watch it. It's very good. Amazon Freebie, May 19th. Watch Primo. Catch the next episode on Wednesday, April 5th for more Yellow Jackets. Plus, due to popular demand, we'll be covering Succession on our Wednesday episodes in the previously on segment. And next week on our Friday episode, we'll also be covering the two-episode finale of The Bad Batch alongside with the next episode of The Mandalorian. So folks, catch up. And yes, in case you have forgotten from me just telling you two seconds ago, let us remind you that we are bringing you two episodes a week of X-Ray Vision. Two! Subscribe on YouTube, where you can now watch full episodes of the shows as well as listening to them. And follow at XRVPod on Twitter, where we're always sharing cool stuff. And check out the Discord, where you can meet a ton of great people, loads of fun conversations, super passionate, and sometimes me and Jason pop up too. Five-star ratings, five-star reviews. We love them. We got to have them. You got to give them to us. Here's one from Emily K. A weekly bust. Love this pod. Historically not a comic reader, so getting insights into nerd stuff from the comics is great and inspiring me to pick up more comics and find new characters. Thank you, Emily. That's the dream. 
X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time. Bye. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.